Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So today's uh, gospel, um, the past few weeks, if you've been kind of paying attention to the readings and the calendar and everything like that, um, we've really haven't, it's been impossible to take our eyes off of Jesus because it's basically been about the story of salvation. We had Christmas, we had Epiphany, everything was as it should be, okay? We can't take our eyes off of Christ. Um, but while we were doing that the whole time, there were two prominent people in the background. Two prominent people in the background, and those two prominent people in the background were St. Mary, okay, St. Mary, and St. John, okay, and that's why St. Mary and St. John hold a prominent place like in, in the church as well. And those, when we're going through it, um, we heard very little actually from St. John, okay, like we, we heard some of the conversation he had with some of the Pharisees and things like that. Um, we heard from his mother, St. Elizabeth, um, but we haven't heard a ton from St. John. Um, except for today. Today we kind of get to hear a little bit more from him. If we want to understand what makes St. John so unique, St. John the Baptist, and why, again, the church esteems him so highly, one, because Jesus said we should, um, but what makes him so unique? And why was he entrusted with such a great task? St. John had one of the most, like, the, the greatest and the most prominent roles in the story of salvation, unlike anyone, okay? Like, there's St. Mary, and then there's St. John. Those are the two people, okay, so obviously aside from Christ. There's St. Mary and there's St. John. What makes him so unique isn't just his boldness. Okay, we'd say St. John was very bold. Okay, nobody was messing with St. John. He would say exactly what he had on his mind. He's very bold. He wasn't afraid of anyone. He'd say whatever he was, had on his mind. He was very bold, but that's not the only thing that made him unique. It wasn't just like his asceticism, his way of life, that he didn't care about worldly things. Like that, that, he definitely was very ascetic, but that wasn't the only thing that made him unique. One other thing we can look at is his dedication to his ministry. There's very few people that were dedicated the way he was to his ministry. But if you wanted to kind of boil it down to like one thing, what makes him so incredibly unique, and it's a word that we use often, but I think we take it for granted, is his humility. Think about this for a second. Put yourself in the shoes of St. John today. We hear that the, his disciples are having a conversation with some of the Jews, okay, and there's, uh, they're kind of stirring up some stuff, and things are going on, and it just says that the, the, his disciples had an argument about purification. On the surface, it sounds like nothing, okay, on the surface, it sounds like it's no big deal, it sounds like some random theological debate that somebody's having on YouTube, okay, like, it just sounds like, okay, like, great, thank you so much, there's some conversation or debate on, on purification. But then they come back to St. John, and they're a little concerned, they're a little concerned because they're like, hey, the person you vouched for, the person you baptized, everybody's going to him now. And what they're basically telling him is like, wake up, man. Like, you're losing it. Like, whatever you have, you're losing it. And if you want to put yourself in really, in the life of, in like, the person of St. John, think about it. What did St. John really have in life? Like, we just said he's ascetic. He was preaching. Like, what did he really have in life? If you were to boil it down to two things, St. John had his ministry and his disciples. 
Those are the two things he had. He had his ministry and his disciples. He didn't have anything else. He didn't have anything to like look forward to. He wasn't. He had no other focus on life. He had no like no family that we hear of, like no children, no earthly possessions, nothing, no retirement plan. Okay, like he just had his ministry. All right, he had ministry and his disciples. When Jesus shows up, it's pretty much gone. When Jesus shows up, the ministry, the disciples, it's the beginning of the end. Like. St. John sees Jesus coming, and he knows in his mind, my, my ministry, my job is to prepare the way of the Lord. My job is to prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus shows up, the preparation is done. Like, Jesus is here. So everything that I've been working for, everything that I've been preparing is now gone. How would you respond to that? Think about it this way. If I was to tell you, somebody's going to show up, and everything that you hold dear in your life is gone. How would you respond? And that's why his disciples are responding the way that they're responding. This isn't just like, oh, they really like St. John, so they don't want to see his like ministry diminished. They're like, no, 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 it's not just diminished. You're going to pretty much like disappear is what's about to happen. If St. John's response was, you know what, I know I'm losing everything, and it's okay, I did my job, it's okay, everything's okay, that would be a great response. That would be an amazing response. Like, that would be like, wow, that's a unique person, that's an amazing response. But he even has a greater response. Listen to St. John's response. I'm going to read it again. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, talking about himself, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase but I must decrease. Not only does St. John recognize that everything he has is disappearing right before him, but he's happy about it. He's happy about it. Like, that doesn't even make sense. He's happy that because Jesus is coming and he's losing everything. And he says, fantastic. That's actually what I was made for. I was made to prepare the way of the Lord, and then when Jesus comes, I just completely hide. I completely disappear. I act like I didn't barely even existed. We use the word humility a lot. Um, so I was trying to summarize, uh, in my mind at least, St. John's disposition, or who he was. And the way that I would summarize it is refusing to take center stage. Refusing to take center stage. St. John never wanted to be the center of attention. He never thought about it never held on to it, but he understood that he was a man on a mission. He was a man on a mission, and the only thing that mattered was that he was going to prepare the way of the Lord and then get out of the way. And it's easy to marvel at St. John and to say, wow, that's amazing. St. John's an incredible person, like an incredible saint, an incredible person in the church. Like, that's incredible. Nobody really functions that way in life. Like today, we don't function that way. Nobody's thinking through life, how can I decrease so the other person in front of me can increase? Like we don't, that's not even like in our vocabulary. But I think our challenge today is to really think through. In my life, and I was thinking to myself, and I'm sure you can apply it to yourself as well. In my life, how often is it that I am taking center stage? How often is it that I am the focus, the attention, versus what St. John is doing? That he must increase and I must decrease. And I just wrote down some silly examples, but I'm sure you can apply it. I remember um, 
like a competitive workplace. Okay, I used to be part of that environment. We don't have a competitive workplace anymore, but I used to be part of a competitive workplace. I guess we do kind of have a competitive workplace. <laughs> I'd be lying. Okay, I don't want to lie for a little bit. But a competitive workplace. Imagine in a competitive workplace. Okay, and I'm sure you can. You don't have to imagine. You can think of your own jobs and whatever. Um, and I remember like in, in the past where, where I used to work, how often was it that somebody was seeking and looking for shining the spotlight on somebody else? How rare is that? Like, how rare is that? Versus what often happens is we shine the spotlight on ourselves. And you're like, yeah, but like, if you don't, you're not going to get anywhere in life, like the job and whatever. I think if we're aiming to like emulate some of the virtues of St. John, what he'd be telling us is, God will take care of you. Don't worry. But oftentimes, honestly, shining the spotlight on people around you I'm going to say this again selfishly, actually works in your benefit in the end. But shining the spotlight on people around you helps you be more loving, helps you feel like, you know what, I love the person in front of me. In relationships, okay? In relationships. Trying to always win the argument or seem like the smartest person in the room. We've all been there. Like you're having a debate, okay, whether it's like on something silly like sports or, you know, more serious debate. We've all been there where you're barely hearing the argument coming out of the other person's mouth and you're just waiting to, boom, come back. We've all been there. When I serve someone or volunteer in some capacity, am I waiting for a thank you or for someone to praise me? Or am I just happy to say, you know what, I'm so honored that I get to serve and Christ is at center stage. I'm just here to increase him and I I decrease and I just disappear and get out of the way. Just the other day, I was um, thanking someone for doing something uh, around church here, and um, I go to the person. I said, "Thank you so much for doing that. You know, that was a lot. You didn't really have to. Like we, you know, like thank you so much." He's like, "Oh, I didn't do it. So and so did it." And I go to the other person. I say, "Thank you so much for uh, doing whatever." He's like, "I didn't do it. The other person did it." And it was just a funny example. It was the example of people just refusing to kind of take the praise. And I loved it so much. And and in the end, I basically said, "Okay, I guess an angel did it. Okay, I don't know who did whatever, but like somebody did it." But it's a silly example, but it's the spirit of that that I love. The spirit of, um, I'm good. I don't need the praise. I don't need the attention. I don't need to increase, as St. John says. My role is actually the opposite. My role is to decrease. My role is to remain hidden so that Christ appears and shines even more. There's such a joy in serving and not taking center stage. And when I use the word serving, I know we'll automatically think of like serving in church. I'm not even saying serving in church. I'm saying like serving in your homes. I'm saying serving in your workplace and serving in church and wherever, whatever environment you're in. One of the main drawbacks, why, why this is important, one of the main drawbacks of taking center stage is this is often the, the reason why, why we can get angry or bitter or feel underappreciated. This is often the reason. Because I'm seeking center stage. This actually solves a lot of problems that we have. And this is an area of life, again, whether you're at church, home, friends, wherever. I know, like, as a parent, sometimes in different seasons of life, okay, you're you're probably doing a million different things, okay, and I can relate. You're doing a million different things, and sometimes you might feel like your kids aren't grateful for what you're doing, okay? I'm sure parents, okay, teenage years especially, might say, you know what? Kids don't feel like they're grateful. Sometimes we feel like our spouse doesn't recognize 
what, what, like what I'm doing. And the more, again, what, when, when, when we feel those things, and I'm not saying, by the way, teenage kids say thank you to your parents, okay? Spouses appreciate your spouses. I'm not saying it that way. But what I am saying is when we feel that, when we feel that like nobody appreciates, I'm doing whatever, nobody, have I taken center stage? Or am I happy to serve and get out of the way? And that's the question we need to ask. Because when we wrestle with that, the devil's playing with something there. He's looking inside and saying, oh, let me, let me light the flame here. Let me see if I can cause some division. Let me see if I can cause some strife. Let me see if I can cause some anger. This solves a lot of problems. That's why St. John, it's so easy. It's so easy. You go to St. John, and his disciples are going to him, and he's like, hey, buddy, like, I don't know if you've noticed. I know you like bugs and honey for lunch. We get it. Like, okay, but like, hey, you're losing everything. 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 Jesus showed up. You vouched for him. You said, behold, the Lamb of God, you're losing everything. Your disciples are gone. Your ministry is gone. What are you going to do next? And he says, I never had this to begin with. I told you I wasn't the Christ. I've been pointing to him from the beginning. Why did you think that I was going to be angry at this? This is my whole purpose, is to live this kind of life. This is why St. John was so at peace. He didn't feel like somebody was taking something from him. He never had it to begin with. And everything he did, he did it for the glory of God. And even when the people around him wanted him to take center stage, wanted him to be recognized, wanted him to take control, he said, no, it's not mine. It's not mine to give. He refused. So I don't know about you, but I was thinking to myself, are there areas in my life where whether I do it consciously or subconsciously, I'm not saying we're all like selfish and egotistical and crazy people, okay, but it happens naturally that we have this like selfish desire to take center stage. So are there areas in my life where I can contemplate and think about, like St. John, saying, how can I increase Christ in whatever scenario I'm in, in whatever environment I'm in, and decrease and just get out of the way? Just get out of the way. So that Christ may appear and we may disappear. And you can do this in a lot of different ways. Maybe this week, like I mentioned the workplace earlier, maybe this week it's your chance to shine the spotlight on somebody else. Okay, with no strings attached, you're not trying to get something out of somebody. Just stop, go shine the spotlight on somebody else. Somebody, I'm sure there's somebody somewhere doing a good job at your at your workplace. Go shine the spotlight on them. And a little secret, especially if it's somebody that you don't typically get along with, this can go a long way in helping mend that relationship. Maybe it's at home, and you know what? I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and everything in me is like ah. Nobody notices, nobody's whatever. No, I'm happy to serve. Thank you, God, for blessing me with this. This is actually purifying for me, Lord. Thank you. And get out of the way. Maybe in our conversations, we can focus on how much am I talking versus how much am I listening. And when I'm listening, am I actually listening? Am I pretending to listen? Because we've all been there. Like when you're pretending to listen, am I actually listening? Or am I just doing all the talking? And maybe just simply... It's whatever capacity you're in, whatever environment you're in, that you're serving with no expectation of anything. No expectation of recognition, no expectation of praise, no expectation of anything whatsoever. When we do that, and we let God have center stage where he belongs, we're not good at center stage. We don't know how to handle that. But when we let God have center stage where he belongs, then he's the one who can fill that desire in us. And he says, now you're satisfied. Like St. John today, that you don't get a, even a glimpse of sadness or not at peace. But he says, I'm good. I'm actually joyful today. 
The whole plan was that he would increase and I would decrease. That's the whole purpose of why I'm here. And that's the whole purpose of why we're here as well. May God give us the grace to live lives that always glorify him so that he always may increase and we may decrease. And glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.